Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. I need 20 minutes, is that okay? That's all I need, 20 minutes. It's quarter past, so I'm going to go five minutes over time, all right? So um, that's all I need to, to land the word today. We're on this advanced theme. And um, uh, we, 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 we ventured into Matthew 13 last Sunday. Um, and what the context of Matthew 13 that Dave and I are going to be journeying in the next few weeks in is that um, coming off the back of the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about this last week, then Jesus chooses his 12 disciples, and then now he's sort of like training his disciples. It's like, this is like the new family of the kingdom. So over and over again, you're going to hear little phrases like, the kingdom of God is like, and Jesus is telling his disciples a little bit of what, um, or a big bit about what the kingdom of God is like. And then we read that lengthy passage. We're not take time to do that today in Matthew 13, 1 to 26. And it was a, it's a key parable. It's a, it's a parable, this parable of the sower. Um, Mark talks about it as a, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all other parables? So there's obviously a key in this. There's something in this parable that's really important. And there's a little midsection there 10 to 17 that you should read at home about when the disciples said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus says, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not yet been given. So it would, it would seem by the whole interpretation of this parable that Jesus wanted some people, he knew some people would get it and some people wouldn't. That's basically the line. And then he, when he's given the explanation of the parable, he says, hear this parable of the sower. And that word hear we talked last week about in the Greek is, a, is actually a command, it's an imperative. It's not just we interpret it as the word listen or hear, but it's a stronger word than that. It's like, you know, as a parent, when you say to your kids, you better listen to me. That's the thing what Jesus is saying to the, the, the disciples here. You better listen to this. Hyper listen. So um, it's really important. Now, again, I say it's different than any other parable. It's recorded in all three synoptic gospels, Matthew 13, Luke 8, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And, uh, and, and, and it's a very powerful. And, and parables were designed to test not the intelligence of his hearers, but the receptivity of hearts, how the... The, the, the responsiveness of the hearers. Um, so it's still very relevant today. And then last week we looked at the types of soil. We looked at the, the pathway as the unresponsive heart. The rocky soil is the impulsive heart. The thorny soil is a preoccupied heart and the good soil as a responsive heart. But when we finished last week, and this is where I want to kick off today, um, we, we, when we finished last week, we sort of, while we could preach this parable as a, a gospel message all about evangelism and throw it all out to the lost there, we sort of finished up last week by challenging our own hearts. That the fact is the whole of the Christian life, not just the day we're saved, but <clears throat> the whole of the Christian life is one of continual and progressive response to fresh spiritual revelation. We need to continue to grow in this thing called kingdom theology. And so it's a very, very important thing. And, and, and so we have to ask the hard questions. What condition is our heart in? Because twice over in the Old Testament, in Hosea 10, and then in Jeremiah 4, both of those Old Testament prophets challenged 
the hearers about fallow ground, break up the fallow ground, and the farmers in here will understand that fallow ground is ground that has been plowed and prepped and then left unattended and it's got hard again. And some of us as believers have have accepted Jesus as our Savior. We're born again, but a hardness has crept into our hearts. Sometimes that hardness can create something in our hearts that leaves the ground unattended and no longer can the seed of the word really germinate germinate and soften our hearts. So have we allowed the presence of God lately to come in around us and to soften our hearts and allow us to be ready to receive the seed? Because it seems this parable has a lot to do with receptivity. And so I guess the question is, are we ready to receive the kingdom message or um, are we willing to count the cost um, uh, to, to allow the kingdom of God to grow on us? Because it's a called a radical discipleship. That's the whole thing about this. And um, Jesus makes it clear that not everyone is going to get it. And uh, we know that this is good pleasure to give us the kingdom, but the receptivity, how we receive it, is the key in this story. And that's why I think that Jesus is saying that the parable is really so important. And if we aren't ready to be good soil, if our hearts don't become a warm seed bed to receive the words of Jesus, then we will miss the vision of the kingdom that he has for our lives. We'll be choked by the pleasures and cares and deceitfulness of riches, and, and, or we'll play the victim, and the life of God will just get squeezed out of us, or we can receive his word into yielded hearts. That's, of course, what he wants us, and that's what I want to push in further today. So after having talked about the soil, I'd love us to take 10 minutes or so and talk to you about the seed, the seed, because the seed is so important. And here's the thing, the, a true revelation of God's word is essential for victorious Christian life. We love the word, we love the Bible in this church, and it's really important. I hear some people saying to me they love Jesus, but then when I find out that they don't actually read the Bible, they don't have a daily reading pattern, I begin to wonder, do they actually really love Jesus? Because to say you love Jesus and don't love the Word is a contradiction because John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So Jesus is the living Word. This is the Logos, the written Word. Jesus is the living expression of this Word. This is a hymn book. It's all about Him. All right, everything in the Old Testament points to him. Everything in the New Testament points back to him. Everything hinges around the cross. This is all about Jesus. And so the revelation of God's word is essential for victorious Christian living. Now, the word often refers to itself, God's word often refers to itself as seed. And it's interesting, there are 44 verses in the New Testament where the Greek word sporus or sperma um, it's translated seed. And it's the same words which we derive our English word sperm from. It's a very powerful word. To conceive and to give birth to the miracles you need, you must first plant the, the word of God like a seed into your heart. Conception cannot take place without first planting a seed. There's only ever been one virgin birth. And there'll never be a second, all right? So there's... Um, Conception cannot first take place without first planting a seed. Now, Jesus taught several parables that we're going to be teaching from in Matthew 13, but three of them illustrate the word of the kingdom, uh, that the word is to the kingdom of God what a natural seed is to a harvest. 
All right, there are many life-changing truths in these parables, but one fact must be understood to get the full benefit of the teaching, and that is that the Lord used the comparison of his word to a law of nature that is unchangeable, not an institution of man, but actually to a law of nature. Now, you can cheat and manipulate nearly all um, systems that men have created. Like, you can cheat the legal system. There are people who are walking free that are guilty, so the guilty can get set free. You can beat the educational system. Some people can get a a pass of their exam when they haven't maybe really done the work or really learned the material. You can cheat these, but you can't cheat seed time and harvest. You can't cheat it and you can't change it. The law of seed time and harvest cannot be violated. A farmer can't watch another farmer plant a seed and think, well, I'll just sow my seed whenever he's harvesting and that we'll just harvest together. That's not going to work. You can't cheat the laws, all right? And so this is why Jesus chose to compare the way his word works to a seed. There's a germination process of the word of God in your life that takes time and cannot be avoided. All right, this is so important. And the seed is the word of God, according to verse 18, and the ground is the hearts, according to verse 19 in this story. And our hearts were created. Here's the thing. God created our hearts with this in mind, that the word would germinate into the heart, that they would work together. God created this and our hearts to work together. He created our hearts that, that, that would, they would bring forth fruit when the word was planted in them. And this, this just as a seed, has to remain in the ground um, for a time to germinate, so the word of God has to abide in us. And this is what he meant in John when he was writing in 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you do. And you might say, well, what does it mean for the word to abide in me? What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, in Acts 27, in the story of Paul's shipwreck, it talks about this ship running aground. See the, the bit I builded? It says that the bow of the ship stuck fast in a sandbar and it became unmovable. That's the Greek word for abide. That's the exact same word that I just quoted to you in John 15. So for the word of God to stick fast in you and become unmovable, that means when, when, when your mind and the word of God get into an argument, you go with the word. That means when, when, when a medical report and your, the word gets into an argument, best going with the word. That means when YouTube and and the Bible, the word, get into an argument, you're best deleting YouTube. There's, a, there's something about the word of God. There's something about this being implanted in your heart. You see, if you were to plant a seed in your garden and then dig it up every morning to see what was going to happen, it would die. It would never produce fruit. And some people put God's word in their hearts for a day or two, and if they don't see fruit almost immediately, they dig up the seed through their words and through their actions, and they walk away from it and wonder why it didn't work. I've seen it so many times. You have to leave it in the ground over time. There are different stages of growth. Here's what Mark 4 says. Mark 4 says, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn of the ear. And people are impatient and they want to bypass, bypass the growth cycle and get to the full ear right now because they were expecting a, a, a full ear of corn immediately because we live in that fast food, sort of fast-paced kind of lifestyle, Western civilization. We want it, but we want it now. Lord, give me patience and give it to me now. 
I don't want to wait for this. And so God's kingdom operates in laws, like the laws that govern the fruit bearing process of a seed. And that's the way it works. This is precisely the reason why some people don't see God's best in their lives. They think that since God loves them, he will grant their request regardless of whether they've put the miraculous seed of his word into their hearts or not. They think that they just have this access to God and, and, and they can get it whether they, they, they love God or not. Now here, let me, let me just show you this really quickly in, in, in the Mark 4 passage, in the Mark 4 passage of the sower, Jesus gives these guys a little test. Notice the very start of that verse, on the same day. So right straight after, he told them the parable of the sower, and he explained to them the meaning of the sower. That same day, he's doing a wee test 101. He's testing them out. He says, on that same day, when the evening was come, he said to them, let us pass over to the other side. He's talking about the Sea of Galilee. So they get into a boat and, and they, they head over. Now, Jesus didn't say, let us go halfway across and drown. He said, let us go to the other side. The disciples got a seed from the lips of the creator of the world himself that give them the authority over creation. That's what I believe he was doing. And he was testing them to see how they'd come. Now, what happened, a two-hour trip um, turned into a fight for their lives, and instead of using the seed the Lord had given them, they, they did all they knew in the natural and then just got upset with Jesus. And eventually, one of them says this, Master, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? And you see, they, they weren't in a cabin cruiser, by the way. They were in an open boat that was full of water. Verse 37 tells us that the boat was filling with water. So water slushing around this boat. And he was well aware. Jesus was well aware of their plight, yet he's trying to get some sleep. They wanted him to pick up a bucket and bail or row or do something. All right? How did Jesus respond? Did he apologize and say, sorry, guys, just really tired and trying to get a bit of sleep and really busy? No, no, no. He reprimanded them. He says, why are you so fearful? Why didn't you do what I told you? Why didn't you use the seed that I'd given you? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus was telling them that they should have stilled the storm. And if they'd operated in faith instead of fear, that's exactly what they could have done. The Lord did his job by giving them the seed of his word, their job was to take that seed and make it work. This is the power of this incredible thing. Instead, they doubted Jesus' love for them and thought he wasn't pulling his weight. And we do it sometimes, don't we? Don't you love us, Lord? How come you're not working this out? And we, 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 like, we sort of throw our dummy out of the pram with God because it feels like God's not. Here's the thing. The law of seed time and harvest operates in every area of our lives. And if we plant God's word in our heart and allow it to germinate um, and the plant to grow to full maturity, we will reap a full harvest. That is God's best. That's what God wants for us. And when this seed enters into the deadness of our lives and bursts forth a new life, even in our most broken moments, that's the most incredible thing. This doesn't mean that you'd be healthy, wealthy, and wise, by the way. This means in the darkest moments of your life, you can, you, you can draw on what's planted in your life. I remember this so clearly when Jill died in 2006. I remember saying, God, of everything I've ever learned about you, and I've told you this so many times, I know I have, but I remember saying, God, of everything I've learned, of everything that has germinated, been planted, of all the seeds that have been planted in my life over my lifetime, are true, then I'll make this, I'll make it. And if it's not true, I'm goosed anyway. There is something about 
there's something about having the Word of God in you when bad times hit. I call it my buttless. God, I feel like I'm useless, and I feel that I'm never going to make it out of this, but you said you'd restore my soul. God, I feel like I'm just empty, and I have no strength, and I, can't, I just can't do life at the minute, but you said I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. God, I, there's, just, there's just no way to make it through this, but you said, you said that I, I could do even above what I could imagine or think because it's according to the power that works in me. You see, it's understanding if we've got this in, then in the seed form, what happens that we can start to draw on it and we begin to pull it out of our lives. Something very powerful begins to happen. And this is the seed that's impregnated within us the moment we, 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 we accept Christ. This is being born of God. The power of God is conceived in us and the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans 8 tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Imagine that as kratos power, or kratos, I don't know how to pronounce it, that's the Greek word, for that power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that, 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 that pulled that tomb open and empowered Jesus' body to rise from the dead, lives in you. This is the most incredible thing. It's not a seed of lifestyle enhancement, and it's not a it's not a seed of modi- it's not a seed of behavior modification. It is the power to make something brand new out of something that is old and lost and broken. It is the seed of indestructible hope that no matter how difficult things are, no matter how dead things seem, there is hope that's greater than all of these things. This is what happened to Abram and Sarah when Sarah was an old woman and you've seen in the bold Abram, he is as good as dead. Not incredible? And, and yet, that were born as many as the stars of the sky and multitude innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. This is the power of a seed of indestructible hope that comes from the word of God. This is the most incredible thing. And in fact, it is when we are most desperate and most surrendered that God's seed, I think, finds the best soil. It's in our darkest moments. It's in our worst moments. It's when, it's when it when we feel most threatened, that our soil becomes, you begin to realize, God, I need you more than I ever needed you right now. I am lost without you. That is the power of this. And um, Jesus said this as himself. He said that um, uh, the hour has come that the Son of Man will be glorified. I said to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. This is the seed we want to receive. And the more surrendered we are to Jesus, the better the soil to receive the seed and the more power will be unleashed through our lives. Now, just to finish it off, two texts, all right? This is the, this is the seed that we get to share with the world. This is the cool thing. While it's life-changing for us, while it's destiny-defining for us, it's also life-changing for the world. It's also life-changing for your neighbor for the guy or girl that you work beside, for the person in your school, for the person in your university or in your hospital or in your office. This is the challenge today, this twofold. How are you receiving the seed and what's the soil of your heart like? But where and how are you sowing this seed? This is not just to be, this is not just for you. 
As a church, as believers, we've got to, we have got to sow this seed. We have the, a responsibility. And I guess the overriding hope today is that the Spirit will rise up in you and give you confidence to, to, to sow that seed. And um, that seed of promise that, that, that calls things forth that are not yet as though they are, that brings, opens barren wombs and empty souls. And so as I finish today, just to make it really simple, we did this a few years ago, just giving you the gospel in three words. And the gospel in three words is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. When you can acknowledge that there is something, that's a seed of hope in your life. And when you acknowledge that Jesus is Lord in your own heart, in your own heart we declare the essence and reality of the promise contained in this seed over our lives. As a matter of fact, when you declare that Jesus is Lord in your life, it's a good sign that the seed has taken root. When Jesus is Lord over everything, when Jesus is Lord over your marriage and over your finance and over your workplace, not just coming to church, this is lifestyle. This is, this, is, this is following Jesus in every vein of life. That's what true um, discipleship is. And then if you wanted to unpack that a little bit, what we did a few years ago is said, well, if that's the gospel in three words, here's the gospel in 30 words. In 30 words, Jesus is God with us. He came to reveal God loves us, died for our sins, set up his kingdom, and called us to follow him. He is returning soon. That's a wonderful message. Now, I promised you I'd, I'd finish, and I will. I'll keep my word. But I'm just challenging today. The seed, this, this that we have, this is why it's always been so important to us as a church, so important that the word becomes a word. And you've heard me say this so many times, invented long before Ron Seal. It does exactly what it says in the book. And this, this can set you free. And when you allow it to, to, to germinate into your life, that's why it's important to read it right. You know, we, we've all done this, and you laugh at this, but we go to read our daily reading. What do we do? We look over to see how long it is. You know, oh, right, oh, it's a big, long chapter. Oh, no, Psalm 119 this morning. You know, it's like... Um, and thank God now we've got these Bibles which sectionalizes Psalm 119, which is wonderful. But we all do that because we, we, we feel it's like, it's like a tick box. It's like we can tick the box if we've done that. What about if I were to challenge you that less is more? What if I were to challenge you that when God speaks that you stop and get your journal and when God when, when, when you're reading, ask God. This, this is simply what I do, and I'm, I'm done, all right? But it was simply I do. Every day, I just say, God, I, I, I read this every day, and every day I expect you to speak to me. So, God, I want to hear your voice. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then I read. And then when God, when something jumps out, that's what's called a rhema word. When something jumps out, if we're just concentrating and gets you, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was written as a story to be told, not as a theology to be taught. And so we're reading a story of which we're in. We get to be part of this great story. And if you can read it as a story be told, then when something jumps up, you go, ah, oh, wow, yeah. And then you get your journal and you write it down and you start to follow that loop and you get down. Here, I better quit. Let me pray over you. And... Um, they say that you, can't, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, but you can't put salt in its oats. And so if all as I've done this morning has made you thirsty, put some salt in the oats to make you thirsty for the word of God, 
simple reading plans. Go onto our website, go to the download, the resource section, and download our reading plan. Tomorrow morning at half seven, I'm jumping online on Facebook, going through the five New Testament chapters for this week. And you can follow that and watch one of them a day. I'm doing it in one day. I'm doing the five chapters. It's, we're just trying to make it easy for you. Lord, I pray that the seed of the word would be found in receptive soils in this church. I pray that we would challenge our hearts, that the seed bed of where that seed falls would become good soil. That brings forth some 30, some 60, and some even 100 fold. What a powerful word. And so God, I pray that into our lives, into our families, into our businesses, and into our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you all this week. Have a great week. Be safe at whatever you do. And um, we'll see you next week, if not before, but God bless you in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.